Hey everyone, happy Easter. My name is Scott Krebs, I'm a teaching pastor here at Alpine and I am so excited to be with you here today. We are gonna look at the Easter story in the Bible. We're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm just so grateful that we can do that all together. Even though uh, we don't get to physically be around each other because of technology, we get to worship together and celebrate together and even interact a bit online with each other. And I'm so thankful for that. I just wanna say, if you are a guest with us here today, if this is your first time being part of an Alpine Church service, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Alpine is all about helping people pursue God. So wherever you are in that journey, we want to help you take the next step. Now, even though our lives have changed a lot, and even though church has kind of changed a lot in the last few weeks, uh, we're so thankful that we're still able to connect with each other online, and we're still able to even help people in our community. If you're part of Alpine Church, you probably know that our Alpine Cares Mobile Pantry has been having events even throughout this crisis time that we're in as a society. And in the last few weeks, we've handed out over 250 bags to people in need, to families in need. We've helped over 250 families by supplying them basic household items, items that you can't buy with food stamps, things like shampoo and toothpaste and toilet paper, which we all know is a pretty hot commodity right now. And uh, so we are so thankful that God has enabled us to help our community and to bless our community. And we have another one of those Alpine Cares Mobile Pantry events coming up next Sunday, the 19th at Alpine Church Layton from 5 to 6 p.m. We are gonna be uh, passing out bags. And so it's a drive-through event. So you don't have to worry about getting out of your car and interacting with people. Uh, if you're in need, if you could use some help, we wanna help you here at Alpine Church and you can uh, join us next Sunday for that. Now, I get to spend most of my time, the rest of my time here today with you, talking through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at the story of that first Easter in just a moment. But as we do, you know, I already mentioned how all of our plans have changed. This was not our original plan for Easter. And even if I don't know you, even if we've never talked before, here's something I do know about you. I know that your Easter plans change too. Maybe you had very different designs for this Easter. Maybe you were going to have some big, large, combined family Easter egg hunt. Maybe you were looking forward to a large Easter dinner with family and friends. Maybe you were just looking forward to kind of, you know, hanging out and watching the final, final round of the Masters Golf Tournament. Or maybe, like me, you were really looking forward to that Alpine Church pancake breakfast. I know I was. I'm so bummed that we didn't get our pancake breakfast in this year. But whatever your Easter plans were, they've been altered, haven't they? And it's not just Easter that's changed. Everything's been changed. Everything's been altered. Our lives have been completely altered. Let me just tell you that this, is, this was supposed to be a very special year in, in the life of our family because my wife and I, we have four kids. And this year, our youngest child was going into first grade. And this meant that this was the first time in so many years that all of our kids were gonna be at school full-time and out of the house. And my wife and I, we have, been, we have been waiting for years for this school year to get all the kids out all day at school. We were looking forward to it. And now what do my kids do? Where do my kids go to school? You know the answer. They go to school in my house again, right? All my kids are being homeschooled. So the joke's on me. We're, we're working from home. We've got school at home. Everything's at home and our lives have changed. 
Well, if you're feeling a little confused about how much your life has changed, or if you're just kind of feeling a little uh, thrown off, or maybe even a little down, depressed, sad even about how life has changed with all the events that are going on in our world, then you're kind of in a similar frame of mind of the disciples that first Easter. Because what you need to understand is on Easter morning, the disciples were in a really low place. They were sad, they were confused, they were depressed because Jesus was dead. That's something that they never expected to happen. The disciples never planned on Jesus dying. Now, if you don't remember the story of Jesus, or you're not really familiar with the story of Jesus, that's okay. I'll, I'll walk it back over it with you. You know, just before the, the first Easter, three days earlier, Jesus had been arrested. He had been put on trial. Now, the trial that he was put through was, it was a phony trial. False witnesses were brought up, uh, brought up before him. Uh, he was found guilty, even though he clearly did nothing wrong. But to make it worse, worse than all the beatings and everything he took, Jesus was crucified on a cross. Crucifixion was one of the, the, the most cruel, vile forms of death that anyone could experience. And it was typically reserved for revolutionaries and those who were the true enemies of Rome and the Roman Empire. But that's what happened to Jesus. He died on a cross and his followers were devastated. His followers were heartbroken. They were confused. They felt helpless. They were afraid and they were lacking hope. Can you relate to that at all right now? Can you relate at all to what it feels like to be afraid and to lack some hope? You probably can. I think most of us can just living in the world we're living in right now. And so with, with that frame of reference, I want us to go to the Easter story. And so today we're going to look at it in John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app open on your phone, you can go to John chapter 20. If not, I'll just kind of walk you through the story. But in John 20, we experience the resurrection. And so here's how it starts off. We're introduced to Mary Magdalene. It tells us it's early Sunday morning. And Mary Magdalene is coming to the tomb of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus had a lot of followers. You're probably most familiar with the 12 disciples, 12 guys who hung out with Jesus and lived with them for three years. But those weren't the only disciples of Jesus. There were others, and there were women, including Mary. And so Mary goes to the tomb early to, to go and check on Jesus and, and, and maybe bring some spices or something to his tomb. And what she sees is that the entrance to the tomb has been opened. There's a large stone covering the entrance to the tomb. And, she, and it's been rolled away. And she doesn't expect this. This is a shocking turn of events. And so she goes and she finds some of the disciples of Jesus, uh, Simon Peter, Peter as he's probably better known, and John, the, the author of this gospel. And she brings them back and they see that the tomb is open and they're just kind of surprised and shocked and they're trying to figure out what is happening, what's going on. What, 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 I mean, they, they didn't expect Jesus to die and now they're at the tomb and it's empty. What's going on here? Now, the disciples in that moment, they didn't quite understand what was going on. You and I, we know the end of the story. We've already talked about the end of the story. Jesus is alive. He's been raised from the dead. And so, because we already know where this is going to go, we can already draw out our first lesson. There's, there's three quick lessons that I want to share with you from this story today. And here's the first one. What surprises us doesn't surprise God. What surprises you and me doesn't surprise God. Now, 
I don't like surprise parties very much. I'll just tell you that. Um, I've had like one or two times in my life where people have tried to throw me surprise parties. And after both times, I've gone to those people and said, hey, thank you. I love you. Don't ever do that again, please. Please don't ever throw me another surprise party. I don't, just to be honest with you, uh, I don't even really like when my Christmas present is a surprise. I'd rather just tell my wife, hey, honey, this is the exact pair of Vans I want. You know, I want this style. Don't give me another style. Give me this style. Sometimes I'll let her decide between dark gray or black. You know, that's up to her. But for the most part, I don't want a lot of surprises. And the disciples, they were surprised what they saw when they got to the tomb. Let's take a look. John 20, verses 6 and 7, here's what we read. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. So Mary comes back to the tomb with Peter, with John. Peter and John run to the the front of the tomb. Now, this all seems kind of wild and unusual to us, and it is unusual because we don't don't put people in tombs after they die, typically, in our world, in our day and age. But in Jesus' day, they did. And what they would do is they would take a person, they'd put them into a tomb, and these tombs were often kind of large, and you could, you could fit a body in there and other things in there, and they would wrap the body in linens, and they would put spices around those linens when they wrapped the body so that, you know, that the smell wouldn't be as bad and, and to kind of give some honor and dig, 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 dignity to the person who had died. And so what happened here, though, is the tomb is empty. They go inside, and there's no body. Jesus isn't there. Now, what would you think had happened if you were there with them, if you were with Mary and Peter and John? What do you think would have happened? You probably would have thought, first of all, somebody stole the body, right? Somebody stole the the body of Jesus. But here's why we know that didn't happen. Because what's left behind? Those grave clothes are left behind, right? Now, this is going to get a little gross for Easter Sunday, but just bear with me for just a moment. If you were going to steal a body from a tomb, do you think you would take time to unwrap that body and take off the, the linens and take off the grave clothes? No, you wouldn't. You would just, if you're going to steal a body for whatever reason, you just go take it. But that's not what they find. What they find is that the, the linens are left behind. And not only that, the, the, the cloth that, that had um, covered his head was folded up. And if you were there to steal uh, from a grave, if you were there to steal from a tomb in the ancient world, not only would you uh, not, you, you wouldn't unwrap the body because those linens and those spices were valuable. You could sell them and make a profit. So that's not what's happened. Jesus's body hasn't been stolen. That's not what's going on here. In fact, John, the apostle who writes this account, is the first one to figure out the unmistakable truth that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now, what I want you to see at this point is that God was at work. God was at work in the world. You see, all of this was part of God's plan. When Jesus was crucified, it didn't didn't mean that that God's plan had failed. It meant that this was actually part of God's plan. This is what God intended to happen, even though the disciples didn't realize it. Even though Jesus had told them, hey, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised from the dead, he actually had told them that was going to happen. The Old Testament told them that that was going to happen, but they didn't believe it. But that was what God was doing. As shocking and as surprising and as terrifying it was that Jesus died, it was all part of God's plan. Here's why that's important. Our world has been turned upside down, hasn't it? Your world has probably been turned upside down. 
And, and do you know what? Even though that was a surprise to all of us, you know who wasn't surprised? God. God wasn't surprised by the coronavirus. He knew all this was coming. He knew that all this was going to happen. And here's the thing I know about God is he wants to take the circumstances that you're going through right now, the fears that you're going through, uh, the pain that you're going through, the loneliness, and he wants to use it in a good way in your life. That God's going to take all the, all the troubling things we're experiencing now, whether it's physically or whether it's financially, God is going to take those things and he's going to use it for his good purpose. We know that through God's word. And so even when life looks out of control, even when life looks uncertain, the resurrection reminds us that nothing surprises God. He's never going to lose control. Okay, that's the first thing I want you to see. Now, you might think, okay, that's, that's really good to know. Good to know that um, I don't need to, to worry in, in terms of the big plans for the world and how the world works because God's in control. But what about me? What about my life? Because I know that some of you are going through some really difficult and challenging things right now. What about my life? Here's the second thing I want you to know. God cares deeply for you when you're hurting. When you and I are hurting, when you and I are in pain, God cares deeply for us. You know how much a person cares about you based on how they help you when you're hurting, right? I mean, we all have lots of friends, at least online. We have lots of friends, right? We got a lot of followers maybe. But you know who your friends are based on how they respond when life gets hard. I remember a number of years ago, I was in grad school and my dad passed away suddenly. He had a massive heart attack and he died. Totally unexpected. And just, you know, just shocking. And that happened and I had a lot of people who cared about me, reached out to me and my wife, Melanie. Um, but, but one person is one of my best friends, Steve. He used to be a pastor at Alpine. Now he's a missionary in Ethiopia. He and his wife called us and we talked and everything, but then he sent us a card and he put some money in that card just to kind of help because we had to go travel a, a couple states away for the funeral. And I just remember like that was just so loving and caring and, and it just made me feel like, wow, you know, they... They're really with us in this time, just because they kind of went above and beyond the, the normal expectations of a friend to help us in our time of sorrow and grief. And here's what I want you to see today. I want you to see that God is a friend like that to you, that God cares that much for you, if not more. In fact, he does care more than even uh, your friends do about you, that God wants to be there in the midst of your hurt in the midst of your sorrow. So let's go back to the story and you can see what I mean. So Peter and John are there. They see the tomb is empty. They leave because they're trying to figure out what to, what to make of all this. And so then Mary's there. And Mary goes and she looks into the tomb and all of a sudden there's two angels inside. In case this day wasn't going to get kind of weirder, you know, more surprising for her. There are two angels in there. And these two angels are like, you know, why are you crying? And, and she's so disoriented about everything. It's, she says, you know, they've taken, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where he is. And she senses that someone else is there outside the tomb. So she turns around and she sees someone else outside the tomb. And it's really interesting. Let's take a look and see how that interaction goes. Verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Now let's just stop there for just a moment. 
She senses that someone else is outside the tomb and it's Jesus, but she has no idea who it is. That, or she has no idea that it's Jesus. We don't know why she doesn't recognize him. We don't know if it's because supernaturally she was, she was, uh, it was made that she couldn't recognize him or maybe she just was crying so much and she had so many tears in her eyes that she couldn't tell that it was Jesus. Whatever the case, she thinks he's the gardener and she's like, where's the body? Have you taken the body? She's lost Jesus, the person. Now she feels like she's even lost his body. And then look at what we see in verse 6. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. This is one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. This is one of my favorite scenes in the whole resurrection is that Mary is confused and she's afraid. And then Jesus simply does this. He says her name, Mary. He's so compassionate and tender with her. Notice what he said earlier. He called her dear woman a sign of tenderness and respect and honor and value. And he says her name, Mary, and like a good shepherd, he knows his followers. He knows their names, and she recognizes him as soon as she hears that name. And what I love so much is how compassionate and loving Jesus is with her. And, and what I want you to understand I want you to see the connection here is this is how God feels toward you, compassionate and caring. Jesus doesn't say, Mary, how come you didn't know that I was going to raise from the dead? <laughs> Why are you so upset? You should have had this all figured out. That's not what Jesus says to her. Jesus says, says her name is an act of compassion and care. And here's the thing, no matter how confused you are right now, how hurt you are right now, how much worry you have over your job, your health, loved ones, the future. God cares for you. God's compassionate towards you. God's on your side. And that same compassionate Savior that said, Mary wants to call out your name and show you his love and support right now. I know deeply, I know with everything within me that God loves you, no matter who you are, no matter what your past is, no matter what your history is, I know that God loves you and he's on your side and he wants you to come to him. And here's the thing, God comes to us and uh, you can have that close, intimate relationship with him. But the other thing that God does is he connects us to other people. And here at Alpine Church, we want to help you get connected to God and each other. I know that's a little tricky right now. But we don't want you to live in isolation. We don't want you to, to live your life totally in isolated. We want you to stay safe and, you know, stay in your homes and stuff and follow government guidelines. But here's the thing. We want you to connect. And so we've got all kinds of online groups meeting right now. We'd love for you to join. If you're struggling, if this is a hard time mentally, emotionally, if you're in recovery and it's a hard time, whatever your situation is, we want to get you connected into a group, connected into a mentor. You can go to alpinechurch.org online and you can learn a lot more about that. Because God is compassionate and caring toward hurting people, and he wants to be that towards you too. Now, there's one more thing that I want us to see from this story. And I want you to know that when I say the Easter story, this isn't like some fable. This isn't some fairy tale. All the details about the body and the grave clothes and the day of the week and the open tomb and all the witnesses, this is God working in human history in the resurrection and all of that leads us to our last point today. God offers new life to anyone who wants it. God offers new life to anybody who wants it. You see, God wasn't just pulling off some kind of cool magic trick on Easter Sunday. The resurrection wasn't some 
fantastic heaven-sent CGI. God was trying to show us that Jesus came to save us from our sins. What the resurrection shows us is that when Jesus died on the cross, he did that not as some sort of cosmic accident, but he did that as part of God's plan to rescue you and me from our sins. And then when the disciples understood that Jesus is alive, they believed in him truly and totally. And and finally, they believed in him as their savior. And so Mary, after this, after she meets Jesus there or outside the tomb, she, she falls down and grabs him and worships him. And then he says, go, go and tell the disciples that I'm alive and I'm coming. And we read this in John 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Jesus said, go, go and tell them that I'm alive, that he really is the savior of the world that they've been waiting for. We skipped over one little part earlier, but the disciple John, when he sees that the tomb is empty, when he sees the grave clothes, he starts to put it all together. He didn't understand everything yet, but he began to believe. John 20 verse 8 says, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. You see, the resurrection is meant to bring us to belief. Belief in what? Belief in the whole story of how God wants to save us and rescue us. You see, the Bible says that every single one of us, each of us are sinners. And that's kind of a churchy word, but sin simply means we fall short of God's standard. God says, here's how I want you to live your life. When you fall short of that, it's what the Bible calls sin. And we all sin all the time. And sin separates us from God. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, God himself, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth and he lived a sinless life. And he died on a cross. And why did he die on that cross? He died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and your sins and the sins of anybody. If you're watching in your living room or in your basement or on your kitchen table or on your phone and you can, you can see other people around you right now, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world because we can't be good enough. We can't be religious enough. We can't be moral enough to, to reconcile our, ourselves back to God. Only God can forgive us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the way that we know that's all true, the way that we know that Jesus did pay for our sins on the cross is through the resurrection. That Jesus didn't stay dead, but he's alive today. And really, one of the main points of the resurrection is to bring us to believe that Jesus is our God and our Savior, and that he wants to rescue you from all your sins, all your brokenness, all your guilt, all your depression. In fact, That's why the resurrection is recorded in the book of John. If you've been going to Alpine, we've been looking at the seven miracles that Jesus performed up to the crucifixion that are recorded in the book of John. And all of those miracles, including the resurrection, have one big theme. And that's where I want to wrap up today. At the end of this chapter, the last verse says this, but these, meaning all the miracles of Jesus that we've read in the book of John up to this point, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I want you to see that. I want you to see that the reason that all these stories are recorded is so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, meaning he died for your sins, he's alive today, and he can forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life, which means when you die, you will be with God and his people forever, what we typically call heaven. That is the gift that God offers you, eternal life, new life that starts today. A new journey in life connected to God and connected to his people forever. 
And so the way you receive that is it says there in verse 31 that by believing, by believing, by trusting that Jesus is God, that he's the son of God, that he died for your sins, you may have life in his name. Jesus is offering you new life today. I want you to know that. I want you to understand that. Jesus offers you new life, eternal life, forgiveness from your past, forgiveness from your present, and a great hope for the future. And so the question for you, and for you today is, are you going to receive that gift that God offers you? Are you going to trust in Jesus as your Savior? You can do that today by just saying a simple prayer that says, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner I recognize I can't do it on my own. God, would you forgive me? You don't need all the answers. You don't need to understand everything that the Bible teaches about every little topic. All you need to understand is that you can't do it on your own. That God had to do it for you and he has through Jesus Christ. And if you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you will be saved. God is offering you that new life today. Will you receive it? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus was raised from the dead. And because of that, we know that he is the son of God in power, that he is the one who was in charge, that he is our savior and he is our Lord. And God, I pray today for everybody who can hear my voice, that they would just Know that what you say about your son is true, that he is the Savior, that he is the one who can rescue him, them. And would today be the day when their eyes are opened and they'd put their trust, put their faith in you. God, thank you. Thank you for the victory that you earned for us on the cross. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.